0: welcome to Church of the Well podcast. Thank you for joining us. So we're going to pick up right where we left off last week um, with this idea over here. And this is uh, one of my favorite passages, sections in James, just because I think it's so practical. Um, there's, a, there's basically going to work out six commands, and the result of those commands of what it looks like to live a life that's humble in Jesus. And so um, we're just going to kind of dive right in here. It says, and for some, submit yourselves, therefore to God. You guys have heard how long I've in Scripture, and it turns out it's church world. Great. Right? I mean, if you've been living in church world for a long time, hopefully you've figured this out, that anytime you see the word there in Scripture, you probably won't be circling it, because it's the conclusion of something that's already been stated before. Right? So when James says, submit yourselves to the Lord therefore, before, what he's saying is, the justification for your submission to the Lord is everything that I've said previously. So you can almost like circle the therefore and kind of go backwards and instead of actually re-preaching all of James for you guys, because that would be awful, and we'd be here all day long, um, I'm just going to go back a little bit, so if we just back up to verse 6, where it says, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, that's far enough for us to take the therefore, to so, say, okay, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, therefore submit yourself to the Lord. This becomes really practical as our first command, right? Based on the fact that we know that if we'll humble ourselves before the Lord that he provides us grace, therefore it makes sense to submit to him. Why? Because we all want God's grace. And everybody believes something differently in. just as well as that is so you're giving something that you don't deserve, right? You know, we want to give grace to each other, right? You do this all the time. I don't to it for each other. Hopefully, you know, consistently, where somebody will maybe do something to you, or maybe they've been an enemy or whatever it is, right? And you're going to provide them something that you know that they don't deserve out of grace. and going to go to Christ or the reason that we. The Lord is providing us grace, we are to reflect that grace to help us. So that becomes our motivation. So I, I think any time we're reading a scripture where we see the Lord saying, Hey, I would like to provide you something, it would make sense to me to say, What is it going to take for me to receive that? Right? right. And the first command is saying, hey, If you really want us to receive the grace of the Lord, we've got submitting yourself to God. The word submit in our culture kind of has a background. When I think, when I was growing up in church world and I would hear the word submit, I was always associating that with, like, my parents, because it was a very, or anything like that. So what I thought of submitting it was, okay, i just need to do everything that my dad tells me to do regardless of what he tells me to do. And so, submit to me felt like it was like being under somebody's thumb and I just have to be obedient every way possible. That's not really what biblical submission means. I mean, yes, we're going to be obedient to, to the Lord regardless. If we had to understand everything that the Lord has to the most, then we could never do anything, right? So it's not depending upon whether or not we understand it or necessarily agree with it. If it's coming from the Lord, we know that the Lord is a sovereign. We know that he's perfect. We know that he's creator of. So he knows better than what I know. Therefore, he provides uh, a task where he asks me to do something that it's in my best interest to do that. But when we think about submission to each other, it gets a little bit more complicated because the reality is, as a leader, if you're going to say, well, like a church member, well, we're going to submit to the elders of our church, I'm not perfect best route, and I'm like, <laughs> but it's accurate, right? So there's some things that in my attempt to be a good leader might ask for someone to do that make me a mistake, right? One of my personalities stopped by this fear of saying, well, unless it doesn't work, because every time it doesn't work, I right, just go, you well, know, didn't work, let's try something else, and hopefully that will work. And so I, I'm always one of those guys where it's like, hey, we'll try this, but oftentimes when we'll we try it, fail, so then you guys as a church end up being the recipients of that failure, and you know, it's great, right? You're really close Submission looks a little bit different than we're talking about submitting someone asks you to do something that's outside of what God commands, then we're actually to reject that, regardless of the power. Submission, specifically, it, it's, it's an interesting word in Scripture because it's actually a compound word of two words that come together. And it's, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that it, it makes things so complicated because I don't necessarily have the specific word for it, but it basically means to arrange under. Those two words are kind of between them together. We're talking about submission to the Lord. What God is saying is, I'm asking you because one of the benefits of my grace, but because I'm also from my we which is saying God is to arrange your life under me. That everything that your life is revolving around, everything that you do, everything that you think, everything when you're processing, the, the actions that you take, should be under this umbrella, role of saying, arranging my life under the Lord. God, for us as Christ followers, we say, well, our example of that is Jesus. It's always the gospel, right? Jesus came, and we know the gospel is he lived the life we were supposed to live. He died the death. We deserve it. Three days later, rose from the grave, fell from the sin, and saved him to death forever. But while he was here on this earth, he said, right, That's Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, submits to the Father to do the Father's will, not his will. So he arranges his life underneath what God is asking him to do. So I hope well we do that. Some of the questions that come to mind are like, well, how do I think what God is asking me to do? I get this a lot thing I'm going to ask is, how much time are you spending in the Lord? Because there's a lot here, right? We can start with this, right? There's some things in here that he says that we should be doing. Um, it's funny, some we people okay. well, the next question would be, well, how much are you praying about? How much are you praying the about? about? How much time are you actually spending with the Lord? Here's a good one. How much time are you actually listening instead of talking? I do what i much time you are you actually spending listening to what the Lord is saying to you instead of just constantly talking? It's, it's not complicated, I think. People will ask me if God's will for a life this and I'm going to give it to you. If God's will for a life is, then bring the Lord to Jesus. And whatever. It's, it's very random and then rare that the Lord's like, brings. But see that the scripture visually. What Jesus asks is he says, I'm asking you to submit to me to arrange your life underneath me wherever you find yourself. So for example, we think, well, the great commission there to make the baptizing them with the Father, Holy well. Spirit so, The best translation of that is as you are going, what we're saying is be obedient to enrich your life under this condition that as you are going, these are the things that you should be thinking of. When you're on vacation, listen to those conversations that might happen around you that provide a gospel opportunity. You might be able to put it in a scene, that's pretty cool, to think go on a on vacation. To actually come back and say, yeah, I wrote it, every So is, no is, is, my life not arranged father. So first command, submit yourselves therefore for the Next, next command, resist the double you know, they, I mean, we get and We a command action that will, that will come about as that command, right? is, is being Resist the double. This is weird. I have like, you know, in church So resisting the devil, it's basically an attempt to get this idea that if you're arranging your life under God, you're going to see things in your life that are not beneficial to living a life as a Christ follower. And I don't want to shortchange that most of the time, we're going to consider that sin. The sin is very simple, anything that just displeases God, right? So we say, okay, I'm arranging. Going to be some things that I'm going to be evaluating my life to say, okay, that's not arranged under God. What's actually happening in that process? Am I actually not only not arranging my life under God, but I'm actually doing things that are identical to my life being under God or opposite of it? I had somebody recently talk to me about a temptation that they were going through in their life, and they said, and I read this passage, and it feels like it's Said, so if it's the pastor saying you resist the devil, anyone can leave from you. And I said, here's the thing like, we're so there that we actually think that enemy has any time to put towards us. Right? I got it. And again, a whole lot of psychology here, but you know, if you know your scripture, you know that this is one. see in scripture that there were a few people that were that to threat. One was Jesus. and saint actually approached Christ and he's completely dead. Right. But think about, like, if you, if you read your scriptures, and the, the scripture's a story, it's a crazy story, about an individual who was attempting to take the power that they were seeing that was revolving around the gospel without the gospel itself. And he approaches this demon and he says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. And the demon literally turns on him says, I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are. And the a of mind. It's kind of a crazy story, right? So what we don't want to do is, like, look at this passage and go, you oh, know, all, all the temptations in my life and all the issues in my life. And, and really what the, 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 the major, like, the problem in my life is I have this, like, fallen an angel that's constantly in. Have to do a whole lot of work. Right? I mean, we're so very I mean, secular humanism as I idea the American dream, whatever that is now, right? He just has kind of got the ball rolling and said, Back and there, look what's happening. It's just amazing they destroy themselves without any work from us. Right? It's just a different kind of a uh, culture like that we're Most of the temptations that the idea of an enemy that he fell to be like God and most of our sin revolves around this motivation that we want to be like God okay, I want to make decisions and I want to do what I am going to do, what I am going, going to do, and I'll include God occasionally, but if he doesn't show up the way that I want him to, we'll do it in my timing, I'll push him aside, and I fall into this category of he will will. Right? So when we are talking about resisting the devil, that question, where are we not submitting to the Lord? Is place, where is it realize? We're not placing under Him looking okay, at their sin. They're not sin to begin with, especially under Christ's heart. But then what are the specific temptations that I'm dealing with them? So, we had that somebody comes to me recently and they said that it goes backwards because in a really like honest about it. just pushes it down the road a little bit further. And as a Christ follower, it, it creates something in us called guilt or regret or you know, whatever it is. And we lose the opportunity in many ways of our life when those things are still present to actually be a blessing to others and to glorify Jesus in those areas of our life. It's, it, it's kind of like saying, well, I'll just give it into this thing occasionally that I can live a life that doesn't have that temptation involved in me, except that I would come from the start of the instead of submitting yourself to the Lord, you're actually submitting to that, because that's dictating what you're doing. In Scripture, they call it an idol, right? It's identifying the idols that are in your life, but it's an idol. There's some things in life, and I and look at my life practically in a sacred word of everything that I struggle in consistently. There's some, like, I don't know if it's environment or just synchrist nature or whatever it is, but it seems like some, some people have a propensity to sin, it certainly is, and other people don't. And that looks different for everyone. I call this the fatal like if you've been walking with Jesus very long, you Going to take you down. It's not a shock. Here, I'm going to sit back and go, I didn't really see that coming. Right? And the enemy knows that too, not because they necessarily tempted you with it, but because they've observed that every time that temptation comes into your life, you actually fail. It's an observation. Used to be a temptation. It's no longer a temptation. How did that occur? to so with that. He's saying it's a command of resistance. word resist Just keep the fight going. And I think ultimately what James is saying here is when you're identifying those things that you're submitting to a war, and you see these sins and you go have these temptations, don't give up the fight. Don't give in to it. Jesus is unhelpful. Sometimes, Himself more powerfully in certain areas than others. But he's everywhere. He's never absent. We never have this moment where it's like, oh, that's bad. The trouble didn't work because God's taken care sense. When our focus is the Lord, we're going to feel his presence more Think about a relationship you have with a friend that you see every day, right? You feel close to them because you're talking to them constantly. The more you draw near to that friend, the more you get to know them, the more they get to know you, the more that relationship grows it becomes the more impact that, that individual has over your life. Don't think about a friend that you call a friend that you haven't seen in a really long time. And I have a certain people that are people who and been stuck in set they probably don't even go ahead anymore. I've gone through a lot of things in the last four years that they don't know about. They've gone through a lot of things that I don't know about. They've changed. I've changed. Hopefully, we've gone through all more. Maybe some of these temptations have been removed, and my personalities have changed a little bit or whatever it is I feel like it's... It for me to... To know that person better, what's it What's it required? What's going to come again? Remember, this, this passage is written really to the church, so I, I think this is real. There's these moments, if you've walked on Jesus really or you've experienced this, there's these moments where you feel like when you pray, it's as if you're sitting right next to I mean, you know, let's fast forward a little bit. There's been moments in your life where it feels like every time you pray, it just gets the secret. I mean, what's the difference? Because God didn't move. Scripture says He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. Nothing changes the character or the sovereignty of God. So if you are feeling something different, what must have? Well, this is what I think this passage is referring to. It's like, well, if kind of you're feeling like every time you pray, your prayers are just kind of hitting the ceiling. There's just no closeness. then the question people, how close truly are you to the Lord right now? Are you just pushing him away? Is he just lip service? Well, yeah, I know who the Lord is, but he's kind of over there. He's that distant friend that I knew once really well, well and yeah, now he's just kind of over there. I mean, are we still there? who he says he is, but as far as like our relationship goes, there's just COVID's happened. I've got my bubble here. He's over there. It's not the one I'm closest to right now. And James said, well, it's a problem. That's a real problem. So this is why it becomes a demand Draw him to the Lord. Seek after him. He's always there, but he acknowledged I was a prayer I was a uh, is there okay. Okay. what i've found is it feels like the reason James is having to address this to the church is because Christianity becomes a of service similar to the word of to wash yourselves. He, he says the reason that we don't is He gives some, some words here, like sin will keep us from repentance. Not having a pure heart will keep us from repentance. Being double-minded will keep us from repentance. Double-minded literally translates us to. sin that you've ever committed in the past and ever sin that you ever will commit in the future, is covered by Jesus' work on the cross. None. And so what Paul was seeing in the church was they were going, well, if everything's covered, then what is worth the I'm forgiven." It's more, actually, you know, I don't need to explain this. Try that now. you this thing has to It, it changes the way that we think. You do know, repent so that you are forgiven. You repent so that you change. Repentance is the acceptance of the change of the power of Jesus in your life over the idols that we refer to. Repentance literally means the term, right? It means I'm walking one direction and that way direction, and every single time as a Christ follower we repent, we, we could be walking all different directions, but the direction we turn to is always the same. We always walk toward Jesus. So we say, I'm walking in a direction that I'm not supposed to be walking this direction. It's not good for me. It's not helping me submit it's the Lord. It's not giving me joy. It's not drawing me close to the Lord. In fact, it's doing the opposite. It's not pleasing to the Lord. He's not blessing it. This is me going here not doing it, so I'm doing it. And so we're walking this direction, and we're realizing what's going on, and the Holy Spirit's going, stop, 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 stop. And as a Christ follower, we go, I hear that, I receive that, I understand that, I'm seeing the death that this is causing in my life, and so it needs to not just stop that. We're going to walk towards something else. And that's Jesus. That's repentance. Repentance, from a Christian standpoint, is turning and walking towards Jesus in the knowledge and joy of being forgiven, knowing that we don't want to continue to participate in things that Jesus died for. Because it's spinning in his face and also unproductive for us the live a life of glorified. Repentance, from a human standpoint, looks very similar. If you want to get rid of a habit in your life, it's really hard just to say that habit's gone. Typically, you have to pick something else up. Right? It's like you want to stop smoking. A lot of people who stop smoking gain a bunch of weight. Why? Because they want to stop smoking, but they pick up a lot of eating. Right? You're changing one habit for another. Something has to change. You have to walk in a different direction. All you're doing to that point is going, this one's gonna kill me, this one's gonna be slower. Right? It's, it's just normal. Like, if you know, I get a lot of guys that come to me and they say, I'm struggling with porn. It's everywhere, right? It's the most easy thing to access in the world. I'm struggling with porn, and am struggling with porn. the time, instead of clicking on that button, to actually go to the gym. But if you just sit there and try to go, I'm not going to click on the button, I'm not going to click on the button, eventually I'm going to go, Right? That's not fighting. Fighting is saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this. And for us, as Christ followers, that's repentance. Our lives are actually supposed to be defined by repentance in Jesus. Because it's a Repentance is a pure acknowledgement of who he truly is and what the hope and power of the cross actually does in our life. It's a declaration of dependency upon the Lord. A declaration of death. And we're celebrating independence, right? In the and in the week, while your to This is so happy. It sounds counterintuitive. I just got through saying. You what? Hate sin. Hate it. Remore it. Despise it in every way possible. Why? Because it destroys you as what Jesus sacrificed for. It doesn't draw you close. It doesn't allow you to submit to the Lord. It doesn't make you humble. It makes you prideful. It doesn't create dependency. It creates an independence on the Lord. say this a lot where it's like, well, you know, I, God, yeah, I don't know like, if I die and I see that. I'm, I'm like, there's all the things that I did for you. You're like, man, this is my question. Do you really think you're going to have trust God? What honestly do you God, first of all, can have me on your team? Did you suggest that you have that conversation? He said, I don't need you to have that conversation. You get to have that conversation. I don't need you to do anything. You get to. It's a privilege. My brother has a family, that's a privilege. to not make sure it's for the family that's Boils down to this misunderstanding that we think we're so great. So I'm a church planter. The uh, you know, church planters in Scripture, and they are a little bit crazy. People looked at it a Oftentimes, I think the reason that we're so arrogant is because we all, you know, as a church planter, are call to pioneer something that doesn't exist, and it becomes very easy to go, Lord, look what I'm doing for you. Right? And so, one of the biggest challenges of people who plant churches is to remain really, you know, humble. This isn't about you, it's not about how big the church gets, it's not about you. That's what the church gets. It's about our obedience. It's what the Lord's called us to do. And are we getting out of the way so He moves? And if He doesn't choose to move, we're working. We okay I'm This is for the things that we were actually good for. This is a fight against that. Protect so your loved and your special. Lord, you know best and in this commandment we hold in every way possible those things inside of us that present that. And even in that there's joy. Most of us can have hope in our before the Lord and He the Lord you. I mean, if, if I was going to say it was, And instruction and you'll be left all these commands. I'm much be better. This first 10, this last command, it seems it goes against everything that humanity tells us to do. You want to make something yourself, you've got to tell your I'm so sorry. Because I get it. You have to tell yourself. Because that's what this country has created for you to look at before you. You have to talk about all the things that you do that are so amazing. And you have, to, you have to talk about all the things that the person against you does that are so especially in our culture where we would say it's there's something about being a self-made you <laughs> He will lift you up to live a joy-filled life in Jesus, knowing him better. And that's better than that. That's what Yourself into that component. Stop thinking that you're so great. Stop thinking that you have to exalt yourself. Stop thinking that you have to look good. Let the Lord do that. When I say it's backwards, you realize that most of the time, I you just think, picture people as one example, but we think of like, oh, this as backwards. You walk into a room thinking we've got to elevate ourselves up so we talk about how great we are. Talk about all the experience stories out there. Somebody in the bed actually tell my story to someone else and so I, I was like, what is that? Right? That's weird. But it's this desire in us to help others perceive us differently than we perceive ourselves. And what's backwards is, Scripture says, the most wise thing we can do is keep our mouths shut. What do you think? commands of what it looks like to live a life of you humility know in Christ. And what you'll find is the gospel is so amazing. Like this is the gospel according to James. Right? Because if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're like trying to figure this thing out where you have all these doubts so or fears so or you just have the apostasy to work anything or just whatever it is. And you know what is Christian I'm going to be elevated by others on my grace, but how do I come to know Christ? It's the exact same process. You come into this place of understanding your own depravity and sin. You realize that you're hopeless without Him, and you declare a dependency upon meeting a Savior. Because I can't pull myself out of this place. And then you realize, by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, that the only Savior. with this. The gospel is played out every day of our life in the exact same manner, but it's not for salvation, it's for sanctification. It's to say, you're saved, you know Christ, you put your faith and trust in the burden, going through the same process of understanding your depravity, reprobating your sin, repenting, and declaring dependency upon Jesus in every area of your life on a daily basis that's consistent. You don't get gospel once. saved, that's the beginning of the journey. The journey means that we have to keep gospel and we don't have other people to gospel as we have gospel ourselves, we have the Holy Spirit to gospel as, because this is a memorable process, not we are not for life. you or church. you. <laughs> better response would be answer to that person and question. Корректор А.Егорова